The Franciscan Institute for World Health, known as FIWH, is a, is a not-for-profit organization kind of under the umbrella of, of Franciscan University. And um, we're, we're primarily going to talk about the, the Neglected Diseases Initiative. And, but there's, there's really three under FIWH. There's the Neglected Diseases, Rare Diseases, and Nursing. Um, and we've got a lot of momentum going here. Uh, Dr. Rohde started the, inter or not, not the internship, the, the institute in 2010, and it had really grown to be bigger than any, anyone thought it would be. And now we're starting the uh, Franciscan Institute for Science and Health, or FISH. And this is um, going to be incorporating more, more than just public health and, and world health, rather, but biology and psychology as well with stem cells and um, post-abortion stress disorder. So we've got, a, we've got a lot of momentum coming, and it's really exciting stuff. Um, but I really kind of want to focus on the, the Neglected Diseases Initiative, and this is probably our biggest one right now. Um, so really, for anything to happen, um, many hands must come together. And you know, I, just, I consider myself and you guys joining me for research this summer, you guys are going to be uh, a small hand, but a very significant hand in, in, in this movement in this, in, uh, for, for public health. Um, and so basically FIWH is under the umbrella of Franciscan University and FIWH is providing the basic medicinal chemistry manpower as well as the funding required for that. And so um, basically Dr. Rohde funds year-round for this to happen because this does require money. Um, and so we're, we're doing, so that's what FIWH is doing, based the, the medicinal chemistry manpower. But then we've got TB Alliance and DNDI as part of this collaboration. And these are the product development partnerships. And basically, um, these are the guys that tell us what research we're doing. Basically, they're organizing and they're saying, okay, we want, to, we want you to focus on this. And they're, they're setting our priorities and they're giving us our projects. Um, TB Alliance is one, one that we're going to be working with this summer. Um, but DNDI, we have worked with them and are sort of related to the project as well. And this is uh, drugs, for ne drugs for the Neglected Diseases Initiative. Um, and as well as a uh, very important part of the collaboration is a pharmaceutical company, and we work with AbbVie. AbbVie is actually a, uh, a spinoff of the pharmaceutical division at Abbott. And, uh, and basically, I worked at Abbott this past summer as part of the internship. And um, AbbVie provides the pharmaceutical expertise as well as the... Um, uh, just the guidance that we need, but and as for the internship that's going on in Chicago that Dr. Rohde is running, um, they provide the reagents in the lab space, which is absolutely huge and an honor um, for us to be walking in the halls of a pharmaceutical company as an undergrad. And I was also strongly impacted by Professor Ellie Katabira. He's an incredible man, uh, H 2012 International Chair, President of International Aid Society, Professor of Medicine in Uganda, Africa. This guy, he came... Um, he came and spoke at a conference at, Ab at Abbott, and uh, you know he talked about the epidemic of what happened when HIV uh, and TB come together. Because HIV just weakens the immune system essentially, for, but TB is killing people, and um, and it's just it's the lethal, extremely lethal combination. And he and he's he's the one who who goes and meets these people face to face and sees them dying and recognizes we don't have solutions for them. Um, or at least ones that are actually like realistic. Um, but I had the incredible opportunity of sitting one-on-one -on -one with him. Um, with the FIWH intern sat one-on-one -on -one with him um, in a board uh, in a boardroom right after uh, his presentation, and he just he implored us and he really he almost begged us to do whatever we could to do what we 
to do what we could that summer to contribute to the research going on. Um, and it just helped me really understand just this encounter with him and just how he said his words, just how badly people need this. Um, and really, you know, how little research is actually happening right now. And, and just to kind of paint the picture a little bit, the reason why so little research is happening right now is because there's no money. There's no money in it. Pharmaceutical companies, they've, you know, they're at the mercy of their stockholders. And if they find out, oh, you're giving our money to this, well, you're, we're not going to get any money for that because the people who need it can't pay. And so that's where we come in. But to kind of understand the, the situation, people that we're trying to serve, well, um, the World Health Organization has established that there are 17 diseases in the world that are considered as neglected. And they're not neglected in the standpoint that people don't have them because one in three people in the world have them. They're neglecting the standpoint that very little is, done, is being done about it. Um, the problem that they face is that uh, the treatments that we currently have are absurd. Um, they take a very long time. Um, they include daily painful injection. They, the, and the, the symptoms of the treatment itself is worse than the disease. Um, and frequently, they die from the treatment itself. Uh, but it's all they have. But they kind of, it's really the perfect storm because there's a lack of infrastructure in these third world countries. They don't have, we can't, they can't just go to a pharmacy and pick up, and, and, and pick up a drug. Um, you know, we, 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 in America, we kind of, in the United States at least, we, we go to the doctor, get our prescription filled, and then the hardest part about it is taking the medication. For these people, they would, they would kill to just have the medication. Um, because they have a very unreliable source of the medication. You know, like basically they're hoping someone comes around with the medication that they need to find out that they actually need, that, that this is what they have, to have the medication that they need, and that the medication that they're getting is, has, has the efficacy and, has, and is what they say it is. Um, because, you know, they might be getting a capsule that says, okay, there's 100 milligrams in here when there's really, there's only 60. Um, and so... Really, but potentially the biggest problem is the lack of clean water and lack of sanitation. Um, since there's no plumbing and it, being human going to the bathroom and things are very unsanitary, um, and it kind of makes the perfect environment for um, bacteria to thrive in and for uh, us to be, sus to be susceptible to diseases. Um, and now, uh, just one recommendation is I would really highly recommend you guys read Mountains Beyond Mountains, The Quest of Dr. Paul Farmer, A Man Who Could Cure the World. This is an incredible book that um, really kind of drives home like what is happening in other parts of the world, what is happening to our brothers and sisters. Um, and after you read this book, ignorance is no longer yours. So um, that, that's all I'll say about that. But I would highly encourage you to read it. But what we're working for is multidrug-resistant tuberculosis. Tuberculosis is caused by the bacteria, Mycobacterium tuberculosis, and it attacks the lungs. Uh, it primarily comes about through um, the symptoms of chronic cough, fever, night sweats, weight loss, and it's frequently fatal unless it's treated. Um, and there are two forms of TB, uh, non-replicating TB or dormant TB. So you have TB, but it's not active within you, and um, you're not experiencing the symptoms, but you're defi you definitely still have TB. In about one in 10 individuals, um, this will become what's called active TB. And active TB is um, where you are experiencing symptoms, you are contagious, and you need treatment immediately. Um, in the United States, this isn't a problem. TB, uh, you know, we have non-invasive cures for TB, you know, provided that you take the medication as you should. Um, but multidrug-resistant tuberculosis are those forms of TB that have evolved over time and have become resistant to the drugs that we do have that work. 
And so this is, that's why it's so fatal, because we, don't, we currently don't have the drugs needed. And the primary cause of resistance is people starting the treatment, but for whatever reason, stop treating it. Stop, stop, stop the treatment. So um, this, is a, this, this figure right here comes from uh, TB Alliance's website. The current treatment was six, six to 30 months um, to, to treat MDR-TB. Um, we fall in the category of shortening it to two to four months. But the goal, eventually, is seven to 10 days. So we have two years. Right now, it takes uh, painful injections, pills, $4,000. Like, like these people can actually afford that. Um, $4,000 per patient. Permanent hearing loss, uh, becomes psychotic, extreme fatigue, really, really nasty side effects. Um, they take about 20 pills a day, uh, 14,600 over two years. And if you, if you were to stack up each pill, um, that's 700 and about 50 feet. And to put that in perspective, it's the size of the Golden Gate Bridge. So um, that's unacceptable. And the treatment we need, it, it needs to be shorter, fewer pills, no painful injections. And another aspect is that there's contraindications with the HIV treatment. So we've got HIV and TB going on, but the TB treatment is, is affecting the HIV treatment and, and vice versa. And also important is that it needs to be affordable and available. So this is our goal. This is essentially our project. Now to talk a little bit more about um, chemistry. Um, for me personally, I, par I participated in 11 week, 40 hour a week, intense full-time experience of full-time full collaborative medicinal chemistry research. So, you know, I worked shoulder to shoulder with, uh, with AbbVie's chemist and with Dr. Rohde, and I was treated as a medicinal chemist. Um, you know, I had my own lab coat with my name in it. You know, I had my computer and Abbott email address. I was really, I was treated like a medicinal chemist, and I really kind of stepped into the shoes of one. Um, it was, you know, that opportunity and in, in, in just how much I, how, how great of an experience that was, it's very rare and almost unheard of for an undergrad. Um, you know, I was immersed in a state of the art scientific environment. This was, um, this was my uh, area, this was my bench and my hood, and uh, it was definitely not that clean <laughs> throughout, um, throughout the, uh, the internship. But, um, you know, I learned to conduct medicinal chemistry. I, I kind of discovered those means and I, I did it every day. I lived and breathed this research. Um, you know, I followed and evaluated um, experiments with, you know, with the latest spectroscopy services and recorded um, an e-notebook and an e-notebook and incredible. Um, you know, these kind of inside the hood just kind of showing you, um, and I experienced three types of chemistry, sulfonylations, acylations, and as well as the creation of some starting material, um, which we'll, what we'll be doing shortly. Um, and I, I will mention that I was fortunate enough to be able to register 16 compounds uh, into Abbott's com compound repository. So 16 potential drug therapies were, were put in. And we will be able to do that this summer as well. Um, and you know, state-of-the-art um, equipment, this is actually an NMR. Uh, this is a robot that I used pretty much daily. And so this is picking up a sample that I just placed in. It's going to scan it as a barcode right there. <clears throat> and um, just you know, the, the video stopped, but essentially it'll take it after it scans it into the computer, it'll take it over here, here's the magnet, goes in, and it's just like, I mean, most people have never seen anything like that before, and it was just incredible opportunity. And one last picture of Abbott is how the lab bench usually looked. <laughs> um, this was the team um, that we worked with. But for chemistry this summer, um, 
It's really exciting. Um, and how, how this summer is going to go is kind of modeled how my time at Abbott was. And basically, we're, I'm going to show you guys and we're going to experience the means of medicinal chemistry again. Um, you know, what, what, we're going to learn what, what factors we take into play. You know, what do we think about and when and um, really kind of ex discover, like, you know, we're, at, we're, at, we're at step one of getting a drug into the, in, into the hands of consumers. We're at step one. We are making a unique potential drug therapy that will go out for testing. Um, we aren't in the state-of-the-art labs as Abbott, but we have the equipment we need, and we're still working on the same project, and our work means just as much. And we get to work on the ERM inhibitor. The ERM family provides uh, antibiotic activity by methylating the 23S um, ribosomal RNA, and basically what this is going to do, for those of you guys familiar with biology, is methylating, it's going to methylate the RNA strand, and by methylating the RNA strand, the ribosome is unable to continue transcription, and thus the anti antibiotic activity is exhibited. And so um, that's the, the mechanism of action is what we're going for, and you can, you can look at that article a little bit more. Um, but this is a pyrimidine core, and I'll kind of explain the significance of that in a second. But um, we're going to be studying what's called the structural activity relationships. And um, this compound that we're going to be making um, is, is technically, we, we can't uh, give out everything, but um, because of TB Alliance wants it to remain confidential. But So what we're going to do is we're going to hold R1 and R3, these R groups, constant. And we're going to be switching out um, the R2 group and essentially switching out different um, amines here and testing the structural activity relationships. And what that means is, is we're going to be, and I'll show you an example of this in a moment, we're just going to be changing this group and trying to paint a picture like, okay, this portion of the molecule, what's the significance of it? If we put a huge benzene ring on here and, or, or we, you know, we just put um, a disubstitute amine on there, like what, what is the, the, the significance of it? And so that's, that's what we're researching. And I'll show you that more uh, up in a second with some of the research we have done. Um, what we're doing is we're continuing research from summer 2011, summer 2012, and spring 2013. Um, summer 2011, we had a huge hit with the ERM inhibitors. Uh, and it was really came back as really exciting data. And by summer 2012, um, we, we were kind of stalled with methodology at Abbott last summer with the ERM project. Um, but in the midst of that, it was a blessing in disguise because it made us kind of go down some other paths just to kind of get some stuff done. And we found out some really important information about uh, one of these R groups up here. Um, and in spring 2013, I led a small research group of about three or four students. Um, and we uh, looked at really the southeast corner of the drug and uh, of the potential drug therapy. And we made it intermediate. And the reason why this was, um, was so cool was because um, my research team and I, what we did was we essentially... Uh, we made about 15 grams of starting material, but we weren't the ones who actually did the, the last step of the research. We put it in all the students' hands, and we distributed out all the starting material, and the students in the Organic Chemistry 2 lab were the one who put that amine in and made the compound. So they were the ones, they got to be involved in the research as well. So it was an incredible um, experience for them as well, um, an opportunity for them. So I'll show you what, what we made in a second. Um, and in this summer 2013, we're going to continue exploring the southeast corner with some different amines. And kind of to be determined, we're, we're still collaborating with AbbVie this week, and we'll get a clearer picture pretty soon here. But our goal is that 
we already have significant metabolic activity. It's really exciting. Like, we, the, the, the potency is great. However, it's very insoluble. And when you guys begin to work with this, you'll see, like, you can put this thing in water and it's not going anywhere. It's not dissolving at all. Um, and the, the, the goal is to increase the solubility while maintaining, and, and the polarity while maintaining or improving the efficacy of the drug that we, uh, that is in, that's in progress. But here's the problem. TB is unique, and so it, it, it has, its cell wall is uh, made of mycolic acid, and it's hard to see with the light, but this is uh, one of the fatty acid chains, and it's, it's very hydrophobic. And so we have to balance, but so it, it, a very hydrophobic compound isn't going to dissolve in the, in the bloodstream. But we need it to go into the cell wall, so it needs to have some hydrophobicness of it, essentially. So we need to figure out how to maintain the, the hydrophobicness of, of, the, of the compound, but increase the lipophilicity, just, or, or the hydrophilicity, just enough to get it to dissolve and to be more soluble. Um, and we'll, we'll find this balance by selectively studying the, the structural activity relationships. We'll be, you know, um, introducing more hydrogen bonding capabilities. Those of you guys have taken biochemistry. Uh, hydrogen bonding capabilities and um, introducing some heteroatoms to, to increase the polarity. Table four uh, is really where our research comes into play. Um, I'm going to draw your attention to the X here. The, when you substitute a nitrogen into that X, it's a triazine-based compound. And these are the inhibitory values. And basically, these are really high. You want lower numbers in this chart. And with that nitrogen there, tri in the triazine uh, core, I mean, it, it, we kind of just glance over this, and it's not very significant. But once we take that nitrogen out, put a normal carbon there, and make it pyrimidine-based core, and especially looking at this one right here, we've got some excellent activity. This is in micromolars. And um, so, and basically, this is the amount that's needed to inhibit, this is the amount that's needed to inhibit um, the, the drug, not, not, not the drug, to inhibit the, the bacteria. And so this is, this, this is all this data comes from uh, biochemistry and an assay. But, um, and so, I mean, granted, this data isn't completely applicable to our our research, but it does um, because I mean they're using different R2 groups here and whatnot. Um, but we are looking at this um, to really discover like why we want to use the pyrimidine based. So for the chemistry that we're going to be running is we're going to be making um, this. Uh, we're going to make everything from scratch. So basically, we're going to start with this starting material that we have in the lab right now. We ordered, and um, we're going to be hitting it with uh, guanidine hemicarbonate salt. And essentially, as you kind of just kind of pay attention right here, we're going to be closing this ring um, and with this, with this amine on top. And this is actually a two-step reaction depicted in one. And then we're going to hit it with PLCl3, um, substituting this group with a chloro. So it's pretty, it's pretty exciting um, that's, that we're making everything from scratch. We're not, we're not just ordering this. this is, that's a, these are just normal compounds making something unique. So that's what it looks like. You can't really see it as well, but um, it's this yellow, goopy stuff. And we're, this is what we're going to try to avoid. Um, there's some definitely, definitely some safety issues going on here, but, um, but 
this is what basically what where you guys will be working this summer and um, what what it will look like. Um, then from there, we're gonna substitute that chloro group out and put an amine in, and we're gonna be doing using unique amines by uh, dissolving it in triethylamine and butanol. And then when we kind of get into the lab <coughs> and get to this step, I'll kind of explain why we're using two amines at the same time um, as, and whatnot. Um, and this was what we made in the organic lab this past semester. These were the, uh, this is how we were kind of studying the SAR, and this might help you understand w what we're doing. So we want, so for example, the, the, these two molecules, we're using the cyclo, um, this cyclohexane ring right here. And what we can take from here once we get the data back is, okay, what's the difference or what's the difference between this hydrogen and this methyl group? How important is that hydrogen? I mean, personally, I know that we probably, this, isn't, this one doesn't have much hope because we're putting that methyl group on there where we're reducing hydrogen bonding capabilities. But what we're doing is we're trying to paint a picture by studying the SAR. And furthermore, we're gonna, okay, we got it substituted right here, but let's let's take it let's take it out one one methyl group and see what happens. Okay, we got a cyclohexane. Let's make it cyclopentane. And we're going to be getting data back and going to help us paint a picture and see um, and see what we're doing. And the same thing, moving this methyl group around, not having methyl group at all, et cetera. So that's that's what we're doing. Um, the reactions we're running are not typical organic chemistry, um, you know, four-hour labs. These are labs that. Like the reactions run overnight, and this is actually <clears throat> I wanted to include it because I thought it was cool. Is a picture of the lab running in the middle of the night um, with all of those students' reactions running. Um, they're adding the amine on right now, and there's like these green fish tanks <laughs> going. But um, and so and we had to track. You know, we we tracked 31 different um, compounds that are set up into groups, and um, it was a it was a huge success this past semester. And then finally, um, what we'll probably end up doing this summer is um, doing hydrogenation. What we're going to do is we're going to reduce this nitro to this amine, allowing um, us to add on to the southwest corner as well. Um, and so we'll be, we'll, by, by doing that, we, com we make it completely, we kind of double the amount of, of, uh, of compounds we're making and able to be tested because by taking by taking off the nitro and putting the amine there, this is a completely different molecule with, you know, just technically looking at it right there, more hydrogen bonding capability, you know. So it's, it's very exciting stuff. Um, and just to kind of show you um, this hydrogenation reaction, and, uh, it, was, it was kind of exciting because we were able to see the chemistry happen right before our eyes, and we're not usually able to see this. And so if you watch the color change, we literally saw it go from yellow to black and I mean this one took about a minute and I sped it up to eight seconds but like um, we were able to see the chemistry happen right then and there so really exciting stuff and this was the compound that we we made as well so these are all out for testing right now and we we hope to to get that data back soon so um, to kind of conclude um, you know it's really exciting stuff we're going to be uh, getting more data back soon on um, what what we're going to be doing, what what different means we're going to be using, and you know there there's potential that we could enter into a, a different project as well.